So growing up, uh, we would, uh, as a family, uh, when, when I lived with my family up in Michigan, uh, I got a lot of grief uh, today uh, for our, our North Hills Motivation video this past week. Uh, I was representing my home state, Michigan State, and I got my fair share of grief from it, but uh, I'm a Michigan, I'm not a Michigan guy. There's a Michigan guy over there. I'm a Michigan State guy. Uh, but growing up up in Michigan uh, with my family, uh, we'd often clean our house on Saturdays. I believe I shared with, this with you all before, as we either had company coming or as it was just time to clean the house. We were not a neat family uh, by any means, by any standards whatsoever, but we would spend a good chunk of our time on Saturday because none of us were really neat freaks. Our house uh, got out of control and we needed to kind of bring it all together. And so we'd all spend Saturdays frequently cleaning together as a family and mom would have to nag all four of us kids along to get cleaning because we, none of us like to clean and and she would nag at us. Does that sound like any other families out there? Yeah, a, a handful of families. That was certainly our family. And I guess my dad, on the other hand, to motivate us to uh, get cleaning the house, uh, he would play some music. Every single Saturday when we would clean the house, my dad, he would have his different playlist and he would play his music on the big speakers for everyone to hear, whether you were upstairs in the living room or downstairs in our bedroom or in the bathroom, wherever we were in the house, we could hear our dad's music crystal clear. And I guess that was uh, his way to motivate us kids uh, to clean. Um, and nearly every single uh, time uh, that, that we did clean the, the, those those, that music was played through the speakers, and he had a, a number of different playlists. He had a normal playlist, he had a greatest hits, he had a solid gold, and uh, all, all of these other playlists. He was big into his music, but, but nearly all of his songs uh, are what I would uh, classify as an oldie. As he is from, uh, he's from the, the previous generation uh, than I. And sometimes us four kids, you know, sometimes you would appreciate the music and you know, hey, th this has got a good beat to a good rhythm. But more often than not, one of us four kids, and it was different uh, each time, we'd go, oh, dad. Do we have to listen to your music again? We, we, we don't like your music. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. Uh, but two songs I do remember uh, my dad playing on the, on the speakers were Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas and Send Me On My Way by Rusted Root. So Carry On My Wayward Son was made in 1976, and I wasn't even a thought back then. My, my parents, they, they weren't even a thing uh, at that time. And the song goes, carry on my wayward son. Yeah, raise your hand if you're familiar with that song. Yeah, uh, the, the older generation. Yeah, uh, a classic. Yes, it truly was a classic. And, 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 I, and I enjoy that song as well. But then the other song was, send me on my way, uh, which was made in 1990. And my parents then were enjoying their life as newlyweds. And uh, the song went like, send me on my way. It's like, it's super fast, um, but it's got, it's got a, a, a real uh, catchy rhythm and beat to it. And I, kinda, I went through the lyrics, and it repeats that line, send me on my way, 21 times. A lot of people complain about newer songs, saying, oh, it just repeats the same things over and over again. Well, back then, apparently, they repeated it 21 times as well. 
But as I was writing uh, this sermon uh, this past week, these two songs kept going through my mind time and time again. As we're talking about missions today, but more specifically, we're talking about being sent today. Hence, carry on my wayward son or send me on my way. And so you can kind of give a subtitle for this message, send me on my way as we talk about missions, marching for missions, as again, it is the month of March and we like to designate the month of March for global missions as part of our affiliation with LHI. And so last week, we just got done talking about the kingdom on earth. We, we took a look at a number of different passages. We took a look at 10 passages that support the, the, the kingdom coming down on earth as we will experience uh, the eternal life here on earth. And, and we put our hope in, in this coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world will be made right. You want a one-line summary of the kingdom and that's it. Everything wrong with this world will be made right in God's coming kingdom. That's the hope that we have as Christians. That the hope, that's the hope that should drive us day in and day out. And as we talk about missions, we are essentially talking about our vision of expanding God's kingdom. As our vision as a church, the purpose as to why we exist as a church is to one, grow closer to God, and two, expand God's kingdom. So we focus on missions in the month of March. Really all we're doing is focusing on the second half of our vision as a church, expanding God's kingdom. That's half of why we exist as a church is to expand God's kingdom. And when we say expand, all we're meaning is we want to bring in as many people as possible into God's kingdom. Because Jesus expresses in the Sermon on the Mount that the gate, that the road that leads to eternal life, the road that leads to, to, to God's kingdom is narrow. And few will find it. Unfortunately, the, the, the wide gate, the, the wide road, uh, which leads to destruction, many will enter it. And so we want to, to expand that gate. We want to expand that road. And we want to expand God's kingdom and bring in as many people as possible into God's kingdom. That's why we exist as a church. And missions, that's what it's all about, is bringing in as many people as possible into God's kingdom. And now we know that the only way into the kingdom is through Jesus. He is, he is the only way. We need to have a living and active faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ. And this is not just something that, that I've come up with, something uh, that, that I think. But, but Paul, uh, the, the apostle Paul, who wrote nearly half of the books of the New Testament, he seconds this notion as well. In the book of Romans, if you have your Bible, you can open up to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, we'll, we'll read verses 9 through 13 here. And Paul is talking about our belief in Jesus being necessary for salvation. And so in this letter to the church in Rome, Paul writes, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
I mean, Paul, he, he cannot put this any more clear, any more direct. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, well, guess what? They will be saved. If we have a living and active faith in Jesus, then there's no question about our salvation. You will be saved if you have a living and active faith in Jesus, if you confess him as your Lord and you believe it in your heart. That's because Jesus, nearly 2,000 years ago, he paid the price. He paid the price on the cross. I like to use the, the analogy uh, of Christmas. You know, a parent gives a, a child a Christmas present, and the parent is the one who's paying it. They are paying the price. And all the child has to do is they have to accept that free gift. And in the same sense, we, all we have to do is to accept this free gift of salvation, this free gift of entering God's kingdom by a living and active faith. That's the only thing that's on the line because Jesus, he already paid the price in full. He already paid the price and all we have to do is to accept that price that was paid nearly 2,000 years ago. And so we today, if we have that living and active faith in Jesus, then I can tell you without a doubt, you will be saved. That's the good news. That is the good news. You will partake in God's coming kingdom here on earth where everything wrong with this world will be made right, including death, including sickness, including tears, including division, and, and, and all these other issues that we have in our life. They will all perish in God's coming kingdom as death itself will be destroyed at the hands of God and his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the interesting thing is, is, is Paul doesn't stop here in verse 13. Paul continues in verses 14 and 15. And Paul writes, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I remember uh, reading through uh, this passage at a younger age and going, what? Uh, it's kind of a confusing passage here. As Paul, he kind of goes through a system here. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And the him there is Jesus. How will they call on Jesus in whom, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him, in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So the order goes in reverse order here. We start with someone being sent. Someone needs to be sent. That is the first step. Someone needs to be sent. Then when that person is sent, that person then is able to preach the gospel message. And when they preach that gospel message, then someone in return is able to hear that message. They are able to hear the name of God and the name of Jesus and the price that was paid and the salvation that we have. And then once they hear this message, then guess what? They can put their belief in this message. They can say, yes, I do believe that Jesus is my Savior. Yes, I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then finally, when they have a belief, they can call on the name of the Lord. So it's a cycle here. First someone sent then preach, then another person hears the word, they believe the word, and they call on the name of the Lord. That's the process 
of how someone comes into this faith. That's the process of how you came into this faith. Someone was sent, someone shared this message with you, whether that be your parents, whether uh, that be a, a Sunday school teacher, a teacher in the past, a friend, coworker, whatever it may be, someone shared this good news with you. And when they shared this good news with you, you were able to hear that message. And when you were able to hear that message, we all made that decision that, hey, that's a message for me. That's a message that I believe within my heart. And that's a message that I will call on the name of the Lord. That cycle takes place every single time. And this cycle is all dependent upon someone being sent. If that initial person is not sent to do God's work, then the recipient, they are never able to hear God's word. And if they're never able to hear God's word, then they are never able to believe God's word. And if they're never able to believe in God's word, then you guess it, they'll never be able to call on the name of the Lord. And so this uber important process of of someone coming to a living and active faith in Jesus is all dependent upon someone being sent by God. And we talk about this idea of being sent by God. I'm reminded of none other than the prophet Isaiah. If you look back with me in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, here uh, Isaiah the prophet, he has a miraculous vision. He has a vision of God himself, of God sitting on his throne in the glorious scene um, around God. If you've not read this vision before, uh, it's a must. You've got to read it. But at the end of this vision, after Isaiah is done describing what he's seeing in God and and the heavenly host around him, it reads in verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I, Isaiah, said, Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Or here am I, send me. Isaiah was so eager to be sent by God. God had a mission. God needed someone to speak his word to the people. And God was asking, who, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Us as in the heavenly host. Who will go on our behalf? And Isaiah tells God, God, here I am. Send me. Because he was so eager to be sent to do God's word. And Isaiah is more often quoted by Jesus, Peter, John, and Paul than any other prophet. There's 17 prophets in total recorded in the Old Testament. And out of all those 17 prophets, Isaiah himself is the book that's quoted the most, and and, and it serves an extremely important purpose in the grand scheme of things. But none of it would have ever taken place had Isaiah not accepted that calling to be sent. If Isaiah would not have been sent by God, if Isaiah would not have accepted that calling to be sent into the ministry, then we would not have the words of Isaiah, some of the words of Jesus himself we wouldn't have had because Jesus quoted this book so frequently. It all started, it all took place because... Isaiah took that first step. He accepted being called, he accepted his calling to be sent into ministry. 
That's the very first step, that, that first baby step. And we need to exemplify the same sort of attitude and eagerness as Isaiah. As he was ready. He was ready to do the work of the Lord. And some of us, we, 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 we may wait for a clear revelation from God to know what exactly to do. Some of us, we, we, we sit at our houses and we pray to God, God, please direct me and, and, and the way in which I should go. And that is great. That, I, I think we should all be praying for direction. We should all be praying for guidance from God. But the issue comes is when we're praying for direction and we, and we don't see God steering us in a clear way, then oftentimes we just sit there. We sit there and we do nothing. And the truth of the matter is that most of us are not going to receive some clear revelation like Isaiah here. More, more often than not, people aren't going to see a clear vision of God sitting on his throne and the heavenly host around him. If that's you, uh, I, I'm jealous of you. <laughs> There's no other way uh, to put it. I'm jealous of you. But most of us, we just have to act now. We have to accept God's calling to act now, to go into the ministry. Because fortunately for all of us, fortunately for you, God did communicate with you what he wants from you. God already made that clear, and he made that clear through his word. This is a wonderful way in which God can communicate to you on a personal basis. I remember uh, when, when Jamie and I uh, were first dating, we, we'd sometimes we uh, would write cards to each other. Uh, now, I don't really do that anymore because I'm a bad husband, um, but back then, I would communicate to the love of my life by sending her cards. That, that's a wonderful way in which you can communicate with others is by writing a letter or a card or a book to them. How many of you guys, on a semi-regular basis, write notes to, to those you are close to? Wow, we're, we're all bad people. Anita, thank you. Anita, yes. That's, that's a great way in which we can communicate to those that we love. And guess what? God has done that. God has communicated with us. And God has communicated what he wants from you. He's communicated us through his word that we need to love people. He, he communicates to us that we need to spread the gospel message. He's already communicated us uh, that, that we need to care for those who are less fortunate. God has already revealed all of this information to us. And at the same time, sometimes we're waiting for an audible voice from God, a clear and direct sign, when the truth of this matter is we already have that sign. We already have the direction that we need. And so my plea to you would be to not delay, but act now. Accept that calling to, to be sent into the ministry today. Don't delay, do it now. The first step is the single most important step. It, it, it's the law of inertia. Objects at rest stay at rest and objects in motion stay in motion. When you take that first step, the momentum will carry you forward. That's why the first step is the most important, but that's also why the first step is the hardest. Because when we're at rest, it's natural to stay at rest. It takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of effort to take that initial first step to being sent into God's ministry. But again, that step is so important because if someone's not sent, 
someone can't, can't share that word with them, and if someone doesn't share that word with, with another person, then the other people, they can't hear, they can't believe, and they can't call on the name of the Lord. And so God has communicated with each and every one of us. We just need to take the time to read his letter to us. This is a personal book from God to you. That's powerful. The creator of the heavens and the earth wrote a love letter or a love book, a big love book to you. And we have to take the time to to digest this word so that we know what God wants for each and every one of us. And so take that first step today. Whether or not you, you have an exact idea of where God wants you to serve, take that first step today. And if you take that first step and, and you serve in a particular ministry and God midway through that ministry calls you to another ministry, then great, go for that. Go serve that ministry. Isn't that right, Seth? I mean, that, that, that's a living example God and Seth had his ministry here at North Hills, a great ministry, and God called Seth to a different ministry. Great. Go and serve in the other ministry that God wants you to serve. But we have to start now. There is zero reason as to why we shouldn't be serving God right now, serving in his ministry, being sent to share this gospel message with our friends with our family, coworkers, friends at school, whatever it may be. So please, please don't wait. We are masters at coming up with excuses. We, we are phenomenal at coming up with excuses as to why we can't do A, B, and C. Well, excuses uh, are, are, are the nails that build a house of failure. And oftentimes, we, we list these excuses as to why we can't serve in a particular ministry. But these excuses, they're, they're, they're the nails that build a house of failure. So we need to get involved now. That's the first very important step. It's the most important step, but also might be the most difficult step to take part in as well. So you may be wondering, how am I supposed to get started now? How do I accept that calling to be sent into God's work today? And I could easily just tell you, well, well, well look at God's love letter to you. Look at God's love book, book to you because he clearly demonstrates that, hey, we need to love people. Hey, we need to share God's, uh, God, the, the gospel message with others. We need to love on those who are less fortunate. God already uh, exemplified what we need to be doing. But let me give you this morning some practical, concrete examples of how you can take that first step today. One possible first step to serving and being sent into God's ministry is supporting LHI. It's marching for missions the month of March, and we can use this as an opportunity to support LHI. Again, LHI supports over 450 churches that believe like you and I. And we have all these marvelous ways in which we can support LHI, whether that be uh, the, the sewer, the wish list, the shirts. Um, I failed to mention during the announcements that next week we'll have a love offering uh, for LHI. So you can uh, write that on your calendar, a love offering for LHI next Sunday. There's many different ways in which you can get involved, in which you can be sent into the ministry of LHI without even taking step foot in Africa, or Peru, or Mexico, or Russia, or all these other ministries that we have. If God's calling you to go to Africa, we, we have a couple people, 
couple people here who have gone to Africa. If God's calling you to Mexico or he's calling you to Peru, Peru, then great, then go. Then go and be sent and serve in that ministry. If not, then you can go and support LHI financially or through prayer, but you can be sent into that ministry today. Another great way in which you can be sent into the ministry today, as I've already mentioned before, is to reach out to that family member or reach out to that friend who hasn't accepted Jesus as their Savior. This is the front lines of the battle. This is the day-to-day battle that we face on a daily basis. Relational evangelism is the single most effective mode of evangelism. When we build that relationship with someone, and then after we have that relationship, we then go and share this gospel message with them. As it's true that people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And the people who know that you care are your friends and your family. And if you have friends, if you have family who who don't have a living and active faith in Jesus, then go and be sent into the ministry today. Go and share that good news with them today. Because let me tell you, nothing is more important. Nothing's more important than sharing that gospel message with them. This is the day-to-day battle of the front lines. Another great way is to get plugged into one of our ministries here at the church. We have a number of different ministries. And if you want to get sent into the ministry, if you want to get sent in, into helping be, being a part of this process of sharing the gospel message, get, get, get plugged into one of the ministries here at the church. Or there's a lot of local nonprofit organizations in the area that help further the love of God, that help further the spread of the gospel message. Get plugged in with one of those nonprofit organizations in the area. Discover what you are passionate about, then serve in that area. When I think, when I think about people serving in the areas that they're passionate about, uh, the first person that came to my mind was Vicki. Uh, Vicki has a deep compassion for those. I don't mean to brag on you, make you uncomfortable, Vicki. Um, uh, but she uh, has a deep compassion for people who are in a position of need, a much deeper compassion than I. And she uses that compassion, she uses that passion that she has to go and serve those people. It's great. It, it, it's a perfect fit. So I'd encourage you to find what you are passionate in. Are you passionate for the people who who are less fortunate? Are you passionate about teaching this message? Are you passionate about preaching, sharing this message? Whatever it may be, find what you are passionate about and then go and be sent into that ministry. Go and be sent and serve in that area and serve today. There is no reason to wait. We have to have that same eager attitude and mentality that Isaiah demonstrated in chapter 6. As the end goal, the, the, the vision, half the reason as to why we exist as a church is to expand God's kingdom. That's the mission of missions. And we expand it by sharing the gospel message with others. When we're sent to to go and share that gospel message with others, we we can use the word preach or just share or have that conversation, then those people are able to hear the message. And they aren't able to believe in this message, this good news that we have, if someone first does not share it with them. But once you share it with them, you enable for them to hear it, to believe it, and to call on the name of the Lord 
and to be saved, to partake in God's coming kingdom with the rest of us here on earth where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. That is what is at stake. And it's all dependent upon that first step, that first step of being sent into the ministry. Once you take that first step, inertia will, will, will carry you on, momentum will carry you on. A lot of people here today, they have already taken that first step. That's awesome. And I encourage you to, to let that momentum carry you forward to continue sharing this message with others, this good news that we have that, hey, Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you can be a part of an age, of an era where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. And so we can pray to God to send us all on our way. Let's pray. Father, uh, here we are. Uh, Father, I, I pray that you send us on our way, that we take that first step into the ministry, that we can be sent and share this gospel message with others. Father, I pray that when we do take that initial step, when we do take that step of sharing your gospel message with others, I pray that those on the receiving end are receptive to the words that we speak to them, that they may come to a belief in you and your son, and they can call on the name of your son and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. I pray that you send us into your ministry today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.